Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My new album, White Knuckle Life, as well as my other original records, are available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. Also, consider helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, word of mouth, etc. Happy Thought of the Day is by Bill Evans. Keep searching for that sound you hear in your head until it becomes a reality. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Mark Stereo Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Stereo Music Podcast, episode 37, last week's gigs wrap-up. Uh, Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. It was kind of hot and crappy and rainy out, so I decided to play inside, um, which was busy as well, so I played in the kind of the back corner. Not my favorite place to play, but it still went okay. I uh, had a good turnout, and uh, Wags keeps bugging me to pick up another night down there. Still working on that, and I'll let you know if I do pick up another night during the week down at Pub 42. Still love that place. Uh, Thursday was the summer school play Soul Storm at uh, Turtle Lake High School Auditorium with the kids we've been working with for three weeks. It went uh, just incredible. A great turnout by the community. The kids did a great job. You can look on my Facebook page and see highlights and stuff like that. It's my 14th year I've done the plays there, and uh, it's, it's just as fun as the first time I ever did it. So uh, thanks for everyone that supported that. Friday, I played a solo show at Danny's in Stillwater, Minnesota at Stone Ridge Golf Course. That was crazy. It was packed outside and packed inside. Um, that's just a great dinner show. I love playing down there. The food's great, um, and it's just a good turnout. So I, I really appreciate those. Usually the last Friday of the month shows. Saturday, Mr. Brian K. Johnson, Brian Big Ticket Liggett, and Allie Gray, and myself Rocked out at Hack's Pub for the annual Milltown Fisherman's Party show. It was literally 300 degrees inside Hack's, but uh, it still was a wonderful time. I love playing with those folks. Uh, so many familiar faces out there. My folks even made it out to check out the new band. Um, Brent Hacker and I have been friends for years. Love working for him. And it was a, a really, really fun show. We played from about 8.30 to 11.30, 12. And then I DJed to like 2.30 in the morning. And it was, it was really, really fun. So I was like going over to Hacks. Thanks again to everyone that came out to that show as well. Sunday, I played a solo show at the 5 o'clock club in Cumberland, Wisconsin. There was a lot of wedding anniversaries. I know the Hardina family was all out there for Butch and Sandy's 50th wedding anniversary. And Mark and Kathy Collins celebrated their 45th, I believe, 
at uh, 5 O'Clock Club. They come every year. It was a great time. Good to see Tom Nesvold and his old crew of outlaws there hanging out. And I appreciate Carrie having me there every other Sunday throughout the summer. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, June 29th, 2016, I'll be performing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 8 to 10 p.m. Friday, July 1st, I'll be playing a solo show at Ingredients in White Bear Lake, Minnesota from 6 to 8.30 p.m. Saturday, July 2nd, 2016, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and I will be rocking out at the Thirsty Otter in beautiful Balsam Lake, Wisconsin for Freedom Fest starting at 9 p.m. going to God knows when. Sunday, July 3rd, the Mark Sterry Blues Band featuring Mr. Brian Johnson and Jake Davison will be rocking out again at the Thirsty Otter. Starting at 4 p.m. Hope to see you guys out there. Guest this week is part two of three with the German music teacher, master, performer, and legend, Manfred Schernauer. We discuss starting out in music, touring Europe, Mangini's in St. Paul, etc. Enjoy the conversation. Well, Mr. Manfred Schernauer, yeah. welcome back to the Mark Steri Music <laughs> Podcast. Yeah, we're back sweet. here. Cool. Uh, we're still here at the Pipe Dream, the Pipe Dream Center, Pipe listening Dream Center. to the jazz show from this last week. Uh, we're it's a warm day out, so we're sipping on a bunch of waters and stuff. So thank okay. you for the water here, Manfred. No we're all ready all. to go. Sure. Uh, part two. So part one, we focused on his uh, uh, sound and light shows, uh, the Pipe Dream Center, kind of the history of that a little bit. And this episode, I think Manfred. Uh, your life story is just really interesting. I've always enjoyed hearing all your stories and your adventures. Uh, if you've noticed when Manfred speaks, you're not from Clayton, right, Manfred? No, I'm not. <laughs> cool. Can you? Uh, so you came from Germany. Can you want to tell us like how you got all started up in the music business anyway, and how you wound up here? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Absolutely, it's an interesting story. I wish uh, you know, there would be uh, more people having a longer story than that. But uh, and I, I like it. Everybody says, so, you know, you should be writing a book, blah 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 blah. Well, yeah, eventually I don't have the time. Otherwise, I would. But uh, maybe uh, um, Travis Thorpe will do a documentary on me. He's co- collecting already footage. That'd got, be great. And he got some lot of pictures and he uh, in, interviews and stuff like that. Anyway, no, I started music early, uh, like, uh, like I said in the, in the first part, my, my dad made sure that I practiced, you know, and, uh, and I'd rather go swimming or whatever, but he made sure that I did my homework. And I had um, five years with uh, Hans Dönges, a music teacher in my hometown, Gevelsberg, West Germany, and West Germany, okay, and a lot of people ask me about that. This was all before, you know, the, the curtain came down or the wall came down and whatnot, you know. So that was like in the early early fifties, uh, and uh, well, I went to my lessons and everything progressed real good on classical music, classical trained, and then by uh, on the side I played in skiffle groups, which is um, old American folk tunes. I came from Alabama with the banjo on my knee. That's what we played. Skiffle was huge in Europe. Is huge. that like Eddie Cochran? No, no, Eddie Cochran is already rock and roll. The skiffle is pre- previously Lonnie Donegan. Look up Lonnie Donning, and he was the skiffle god from, okay. from Britain. And one, one hit in the United States only, but in Europe, he was huge. 
Everybody wants to be like Lani Donegan. What was this hit in the United States? Oh, that's your chewing gum lose its flavor on the bedpost overnight. Don't get chewing gum You ever heard of that? I have never That's heard that. Chipping up Lucy flavor on the bedpost overnight. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Yeah, it was, you know, but um, he, owned, he took all the old American tunes and turned them into skiffle. Skiffle is basically music, folk music with primitive instruments. One string bass, banjo, washboard. I was the washboard guy. And guitar. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then... then after that, or it progressed into early rock and roll. Beatles came out, 64, 62, 63. And we heard our first rock and roll tunes. Jerry Lee, Elvis. Well, that's all right, mama. That's all right for you. That's all right, mama. Just any way you do it, that's all right. That's all right. And then from, from the washboard, then to the drums. My father had a couple of drum pieces, and I, I, I started with that. Well, again, he made sure that I practiced, you know, uh, drumming and whatnot. And so I drummed in my first groups. Uh, first groups was the Shouts. And then uh, I progressed. We, you know, four, we had a four-piece rock and roll group. Played uh, Swinging Blue Jeans, Beatles, and stuff like that, and Yardbirds. <laughs> And then I wanted to join a group and play drum in a certain group. It was called the Skillies, and they played black music for Germans to play James Brown, Wilson Pickett, and everything. And I really wanted to be in that group because I didn't like the drummer. <laughs> what was his name? Klaus Hirschberg or something like that. Anyway, I didn't like the drummer, and I wanted to have the drum job in that. But he was also the leader of the group. And they, uh, they said no. But one day they knocked on my door, and I said, Manfred, one guitar player is leaving and we need a keyboard player. If we buy you an organ, would you play keyboard in, in, in the skillies? I said, absolutely, I'm your man, no problem. So we went out and bought a really, uh, like one of those Fafisas, but not a Fafisa, that would have been good. Uh, it was called a Capri organ. Okay, piece of, well, I don't want to say anything bad, or, you know, <laughs> somebody might be listening. But anyway, one of those electronic organs, uh, very similar to a Fafisa. What I really wanted to was a Vox Continental, that, like the animals had, but they're like, they were like 4,000 marks. I couldn't have, no way. But then Vox came out with a smaller model, a Jaguar, and that was my second organ. But it was built in Britain, and it was, they were very fragile. Okay. Uh, but I, uh, uh, I had an organ. I played the soul music with the Skillies, you know, and that was good every weekend. While I, uh, on the other hand, I still uh, uh, studied and uh, practiced, uh, obviously, and I learned uh, the language a little bit because we sang it in, uh, not in German, we sang it all in English and everything, mm -hmm. you know. Didn't know what we were singing, but what the heck. <laughs> and, then, and then I just uh, switched around to different groups until I had my own group, Montezuma. <laughs> And 
that was, um, that was in, by that time, it was like 1970. And one day I said to the guys in Montezuma, it was just organ, bass, and drums, you know, with different personnel uh, over a couple of years or whatever. I said, let's go pro. The only way we're going to get better, or I'm going to get better, uh, or the whole group is going to get better, if we make compromises, we play dance music, we play clubs, but playing full time, that's the only way you're going to get better. And they're all like chickened out. They're all like, mom says, you know, you can't do this, you can't go on the road and play full time. No, 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 no. One kid was still going to school. And I said, okay, if you're not, I will. By the mean, in, me, uh, in the meantime, I had a real job, quote unquote, uh, which I hated. My, my dad made me have a real job. He says, you don't want to be a musician. You know, it's a gypsy life. You can't, no family, no nothing. You know, well, you don't want to be a musician because he was a musician full time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he knew better. But as a young kid, you don't want to listen. You know, you're 20 years old or 19 years old. You don't want to listen to your dad. So I said, okay. Uh, if that's the case, then I'm just going to put an ad in the trade paper, in the musician's trade paper, it's called The Artist, and put an ad in there as a keyboard player, and I got the office left and right, because keyboard players are tough to come by, especially when they double up on other instruments, like flute, saxophone, which I did. And, uh, and then it was like one band after the other. My goal in those days were always join a band that traveled the furthest, Money was no concern of mine. I never had any and never will be. But I had payments on my Hammond organ, had an L100 Hammond organ, and, and payments on a Volkswagen bus. Wherever I went, I always sent my money home so my mom could make the payments, see? So I, you know, but that was the only two things. But otherwise, what was good about uh, playing full time, there was always room and board, for one thing. You know what I mean? So you were, if you played for any kind of a club or whatever, the, the room and board was always provided, so you never starved, and you always had a roof over your head, which was good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what, what an ideal job. And I saw the world, more or less, you know, traveled all over Europe, played Spain, Portugal, you name it. When, uh, um, and then uh, there was an Italian band, Luciano Messina and the Caravels. They were just coming back from, uh, from Mozambique, uh, South Africa, and reforming. And they had an agent, this agent from, from France, um, uh, booked uh, bands into America. So one day, I'm sitting in my hotel room there, and I got a knock on the door, and the lady says, yeah, she explained the situation about that, that Italian band. Uh, they're looking for a keyboard player, and they might have a chance to go to America. I said, I'm your man right away, right away. I wasn't even a question. You know, and, and told the rest of the band members, oh, what, that, what was that band called? I can't even remember. But anyway, uh, I says, I'm going to join the other band because they're going to go to America. And so we played uh, all, over, uh, all over Europe a little bit, and, and it came true. Here came, uh, it was a lot of paperwork and whatnot, you know, get your permission, uh, labor department, immigration department, et cetera, et cetera. And then played on the boat. We came on the uh, on Michelangelo. 1972, in May 1972, I had my birthday on the boat, and that's really weird. When you play on the boat, you know, you go up and down, you know, eight days, eight nights, full steam ahead from the Mediterranean, from Genoa, Italy, to New York City. And I had my birthday on the boat about three days before we hit New York, and I still have the menu. 
And I, I pulled it out the other day when the, when the TV guys were here from Wisconsin Public, uh, PBS. Yeah. I found it again. So I have that. You got to <laughs> show me that. Oh, I sure will. Yeah, yeah you got to Abs- show me that. Absolutely. So, and, um, and so, <clears throat> uh, so we played on the boat. That was part of our pay. And we started playing the first day we arrived. They picked us up in New York with a van and a Fleetwood Cadillac and drove to Downingtown, PA, which is 30 miles outside of Philadelphia. Huge resort. Mickey Rooney's Downingtown Inn and Golf Club. They bought Mickey's name. Mickey Rooney's. Mickey Rooney, the one and only. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're right, man. We've got to have a great show with a million laughs and color and a lot of lights to make it sparkle. And songs. Wonderful songs with you out there selling them. Oh, it'll be wonderful. And so I got to meet him a bunch of times. And whatnot. But anyway, and... Um, you are in one of the lounges. I mean, they had like dining rooms that seat a thousand, you know, a bunch of those. Had dinner theater, golf, horseback riding. They, they had it all, you know, huge place. And we were one of the acts in one of the lounges. Five, seven days a week, whatever, you know. And met a girl, married, uh, and immediately I looked for a teacher. And that's how I got to meet and work with Bernard Perfair, French immigrant, jazz piano teacher. Oh, man. And he made me work. But it's one of the first things I did, look for a teacher right away. And, and in, in, my, in my career, in my life, still the best teacher I had. So I got to study with him for the next two years, between you know, 70, 72, 73, 74. And in 74, we came out to uh, the Twin Cities with the trio. Didn't that teacher work with Bill Evans as well, another famous oh, yeah, jazz yeah. piano player? Oh, yeah. He was friends with a lot of, lot of uh, uh, piano players, uh, Dave Brubeck. Uh, Bill Evans and a bunch of Keith Jarrett. I got a concept still on reel to reel. Look him up, Bernard Perfair. Okay. Uh, You know, and um, a giant, a giant on the piano. Strange situation about uh, Perfair was this. I'll take a break. He was caught by the Nazis, thrown into a concentration camp where they really messed up his kidneys. And he finally, at age 56 or 57, he died of kidney failure because they messed it up in the concentration camp. He was in the um, French underground fighting the Nazis. And here comes a little German guy you know, knocking on his door and wanted to learn, you know, how to play jazz piano and whatnot. And, and that was that was contrast. You know what I'm talking about? Wow. And that was that, that's the real. I mean, he had to have a lot of patience. And I was I was a young punk. You know what did I know? You know, I, I, all I wanted to do is the party and whatnot. And you know, but he gave me a lot of homework. I used to meet him, start me from scratch and everything. Wow, that's yeah. a great story. Yeah, it, it is. And so, but he never laid that on me. He just told me that. You know, because that it's uh, there was quite the contrast. I says, you know, when I I was born in 1949, four years after, but I post-war and my dad he served in the war and all that kind of stuff. I'm sorry, you know, but here I am and and really not guilty. 
<laughs> but it was it was quite the contrast, you know wow. what I mean? That's excellent story. So you're saying then you you toured to the Twin Cities? Yeah, then came to the Twin Cities, played the Twin Cities for years. And then in the early 80s... Why uh, did you stay in the Twin Cities? Why? Yeah. Oh, we had, a, uh, again, we had an agent that brought us as a trio, the, the Italian, from the Italian band, the bass player, myself, and then we took an American drummer. And we played at uh, Mangini's on the east side of St. Paul. First, one year with the trio, two years by myself. Then I played other, uh, other uh, places in the Twin Cities by myself. And went back to Mangini's in 80 and 81. So two more years, five years altogether. And in fact, I, I just came across Dick Mangini again, believe it or not, after all these years. Uh, he came and see me in 04 at the, at the uh, Balsam Lake restaurant where I play. Indian Head. Indian Head, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he came up with uh, I saw I saw a thing in the paper, 50th wedding anniversary, Dick Mangini and Earl May Mangini. I wrote to the paper. I said, can you give me a mailing address? I, I worked for him for many, many years. And would you please, you know, and they sent me an address. And I sent him an album. I sent him EOS. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't hear from him. I thought, well, so goes that. Yeah, it is watermelon man. And six months later, I get a phone call. I'm teaching up here. I never forget it. I, I get it. Six months later, I get a phone call. It was in 04. I says, uh, uh, Manfred, is that you? I says, yeah. yeah this is Earl May, Mangini. I says, what? Well, I, uh, what, what are you doing? Where are you playing? I said, well, I play at the restaurant in Balsam Lake at Indian Head every Friday night. We want to come up and, and she says, it was in the September, we want to come up and see the leaves. You know, that's, that's a big tradition for a lot of Minnesotans or whatever. You, oh, yeah, you see of course. The, the leaves turning. And so they spent a couple of days. They came up and stayed in Amory, took a room, uh, came to the restaurant that night, stayed all night, ate big time, had a really good time. I talked to him. And the next day, I went back to their room, and then they came out here and, uh, and checked out the school. So I took a bunch of pictures and everything. Then in the early 80s, I went, uh, after Mangini's, I went on the road. I did the seven-state area and had an agent. You know, through an agent, I did uh, the hotel motel time. You know, the Ramadas in, Holiday Inn, Holiday Inn South, or seventh state, you know, Iowa, Illinois, Kansas, or you name it. Being there, done that, got the T-shirt. You know, and uh, and then I got sick, and then I I had nodules on my throat like a lot of singers do. Came back home, and it's always like four weeks here, two weeks there, a month there, six weeks there, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But again, love to travel. Had a one-man show with the B3 organ, Fender Rhodes on top, string machine, vibraphone, flute, saxophone, guitar, and harmonicas. I had a, I had a neat show, you know. Yeah. I sang the whole thing and a couple of instrumentals, but a lot of vocals and whatnot. Top 40, little blues, little this, little that, you know. And it was, it was fun. I mean, it made a great living. I loved it. But then, you know, health kicked in. And the doctor said, I, uh, then I had to go to the doctors and, and they put a camera down my throat. And you get those nodules. And I didn't know what they were. I had them twice now. And I said, said well, uh, can't do full time no more. One of the last gigs that I did where I had to actually transpose every tune that I played, like three, three notes down. If I played it in G first, I had to go down, let's say, like to E. Uh. You know I mean, if I played it in E, I had to play it in C, etc. you know? Yeah. Oh, man, that was difficult. And I was hurting. It was always painful. I was in, in um, I played um, in Montana. 
That was, that, that was out of this world. <laughs> Miles, Miles, City, Miles City, Montana. Oh, that was, uh, it was brutal. Well, then I came back home, and, and that changed my life. And what, what's so neat about that change, when you're forced to change your life, I actually welcomed that, I started writing my own music. By that time, I was already uh, listening to electronic people, um, you know, uh, Jean-Michel Jarre and Vangelis and all those people. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, in, in fact, uh, in those days I was already into Schulze, and then I collected keyboards, uh, worked uh, only on weekends, and uh, then I got inspired by other people in 85. In between 85 and 87, we looked for a building. By that time, I, my dream was clear, totally clear, that I wanted to do what other artists do in the area, be independent, do your own stuff, uh, play, uh, play your own stuff, and stuff like that. You know, no more top 40 stuff going on the road full time. So that was a life-changing thing. It takes years, though. And then when we, once we decided on, on this place right here, the Pipe Dream Center, Pipe, Pipe Lake Schoolhouse, um, I had to make payments. So I took a sacrificed, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, five or six years of my life bartending and played a little piano on the weekend, but by full-time bartending. It was a paycheck. Yeah. Made double payments for this thing, you know. And then I started teaching in 92. I, I was one of my la last bartending job where... The owner said to me, well, I took a lot of playing jobs, you know, besides bartending. <laughs> he said to me, well, Manfred, it's either bartending or music. I give you three days to think about it and then give me a call. That was a Saturday night. And that now comes something I shouldn't even talk about, but I, I did. I, you can leave this in or out. I told only five people that. I made a, you know, I talked to the great spirit, you know, how that goes. We're an Indian country here. Yeah. You know, and went down to the lake and have a, had a little tobacco ceremony. Came back, and the next day I got a call for teaching. Homeschoolers, honest God, truth. And I was in 92, and never, never stopped ever since. You know, with, with boogie nights, with teaching, with uh, putting on concerts and keep on, on riding. Honest God, truth. That's how that happened. But so... So I feel like I feel like I was I was fortunate enough that uh, you know I, when it comes to uh, the spiritual side of Manfred, very careful about that you know very respectful I do I do treat like the native natives do for them everything is sacred and it's and and I I'm really just grateful to be here yeah you know this is their special place here Pipe Lake was some very special grounds trust me years ago. You made me a CD, which is still in my car, amongst a bunch of your jazz shows with Dustin and Pat and all that mm -hmm. stuff. But it's still one of my favorite albums, and a lot of my friends' favorite albums is your live recording of Montezuma from ah. 1970. Yeah. I remember when I had an audition down in Nashville, you gave me the advice once. You're like, Mark, you got a Montezuma there, ass. Yeah. <laughs> And you were talking about how during the song you're smashing the keyboard on the ground sure, and you yeah. can hear. Oh, yeah, so my nice. favorite one is the first song off that record. And What's the, the story about that recording and that, that, that song or that day, whatever? 
Oh, uh, very simple. I went over to uh, back to back to Germany in in uh, in eighty no in eighty two. In 04, you know, that was my third time, third time back, just in 04. And old friends of mine that I used to play with and whatnot, one, one of my friends, Erak, or Achim Erich is his real name, but he goes by the name of Erak, E-R-O-C. And for his job, now he used to be the drummer in a band called The Crew, and then they made big time. They had like 12 albums out, but by that time I was already gone. But... Um, he uh, for uh, for his job now he remasters sixties artists, okay in Germany. He's got a little studio and we are very good on computers and everything else. And he, uh, I remember when we were kids and like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old, he always drug a uh, reel to reel machine wherever we played. Always he recorded everything. And he had, in, in that concert, it was like three, four different, five different bands, he had the tape recorder running, and he found that in his archives, you know, found a recording, mastered it, and gave me a copy. And that's, that's the one you got. Yep. Yeah, and I was wild. I was wild in those days, 1970, well, 21 years old, just before I left, basically, Germany. It was one of our last concerts. Yeah, I beat the living daylights out of my, out of my uh, you know, L100. I had a, I had a great drummer. Uh, and a uh, uh, harmonica player uh, who also played bass. I played a couple of blues tunes and whatnot, and, and, and I wanted to be uh, with that band. The first tune, there was like almost, uh, almost like the Led Zeppelin uh, riff that, uh, that they did in A Whole Lot of Love. <laughs> When you just hear the is high, it, is the first song instrumental? Yeah, no, it's, there's lyrics in there, but I you can't understand it because I didn't have a we didn't have a, a, a vocal system. I just sang into a microphone through a bass amp or something like that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, in the old days we had very old equipment, you know. But anyway, so uh, and and I had this tune. This was my own tune, but I can't remember the lyrics or whatever it was. But it was built on the riff. Of uh, a whole lot of love when you just hear the instrumental riff, the higher, you know, reversed hi hat, and that's how it started out. And I, it's in, I remember the key, key was F, and I had a super solo there in the beginning. And then, that's the thing, yeah, yeah, that's the one. It was one of my own tunes. You know? the, that must run into the song I'm because yeah, that's the yeah. creepiest riff I've ever heard in my life. I'm glad you set me straight on that. Yeah, because I was, thought that was the animal. That's song. The, no, no, the animal. The animal song came later. We played "Look Away" by Stevie Winwood. We played the animals. We played a couple other ones. I slowed those. Dun, dun, that yeah. Riff. yeah, that yeah, that's all, that's all me. Oh, on, I know. On, on that organ, you know, oh. when you play like half tones, you know what I mean, keep them down and whatnot. Yeah, I was I was so I was pretty well. Yeah, that was an original What's song. What's the name of the song? I don't know. I can't remember. It's a long time ago. Remember the King and Haven songs? <laughs> yeah, well... Oh, I, gosh. I got to put that, tag that at the, yeah, at the end of this a, podcast. That okay. People have to I'm hear that. It's yeah. one of my favorite albums of all time. Oh, put it, put so. it on. No problem. It's an unbelievable riff. And I remember it was in Hagen, Germany at a, at a high school auditorium. And where they have you know no chairs, I mean all the all the people there was hundreds of people there, but they sat on the floor 
and I, and they had a bandstand. I remember we were on, and I just wanted to go for the kill. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and you can you can hear the energy. I mean, it's very energetic. Oh, anybody. I remember I've ever played that for it's like that is the most wind. badass thing I've yeah. ever heard yeah. in my life. Yeah, I, w I wanted to do like Emerson Lake and Palmer, Brian Auger, or like Vanilla Fudge, you know, Mark Stein, you know, and on Auger. So that's you know, Mark Stein, Vanilla Fudge, they slow tunes down, like Eleanor Rigby. And it's the same thing with um, you know, let me be, mis be misunderstood, you know. And I was looking, I was going in that direction, yeah, you know, very heavily influenced in those days by those guys, you know. And Brian Orga and stuff like that, yeah. Uh, and then, like I say, then I wanted to go uh, pro, and I didn't. The guys didn't want to go. So well, that's yeah. I went through a number of those too. Yeah. Manfred, thank you for being on the Mark Sterry mm. Music Podcast. My pleasure. Please man. stick around for part three. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for a new podcast about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you or your business are interested in sponsoring this podcast, please contact me via email at markstarymusic at gmail.com. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time.